I'm Robin Gallagher and welcome to Ripples. Throughout our program, a series of guest speakers will share words of wisdom from their life experience and we will offer you a series of meditations so that you can take some time just to stop and listen to that voice within, that voice of the Spirit. So come and enjoy some inspired voices and treasured stillness and allow the ripple effect to begin. I am delighted to welcome Peter Turner to our program today. Peter has worked in the area of education throughout his career and during this time has carried out a number of significant roles. He was the Director of Schools for the Catholic Diocese of Wollongong for 13 years and the Regional Director of Education for the Southern Region of the Archdiocese of Sydney for five years. Prior to this, he was a schools consultant and a founding principal for two co-educational high schools in Sydney. Throughout these years, Peter has been greatly supported by his wife Yvonne and their four children. Due to Peter's deep wisdom and breadth of experience, he continues to contribute to an extensive array of education boards and commissions. Apart from his commitment to education, he also has a strong heart and passion for social justice. Peter has animated this both within his roles in education and in initiatives beyond. Peter is an inspiring speaker and has been invited to address many different groups. I distinctly remember him speaking to a large group of beginning teachers and he invited them to sit with a question, For what do you wish to be known? I was drawn to this profound question. It is a question that prompts us all to consider both our purpose and the principles which underpin this. So today, I raise this same question with Peter, eager to hear more about what motivates and guides him in his decisions and actions. I warmly welcome Peter to the program today as we delve a little more deeply into this pertinent question, for what do you wish to be known? Peter, welcome to our program. It is so wonderful to have you here. Thanks, Robin. Great to be here. Peter, you've had just such a wonderful career. You've been involved in Catholic education for many years. You've taken on so many exciting and wonderful roles. And I know that amongst all those years, you've also had a great heart for social justice. Peter, over these years, as you've worked in in these various roles, you've been invited to speak on numerous occasions. Mm -hmm. And one of the key questions that you've raised, and it's always stayed with me, is this question of, for what do you wish to be known? what do you wish to be known? And it's such an important question and it's a question that we don't always have the time and sometimes we don't make the space to actually sit with. And I think it's a question that perhaps encourages us to delve into our sense of purpose and also the principles that underpin that as well. So Peter, today I would love to explore this question with you. I'd love to break this open and explore your sense of purpose and also the principles that underpin what you do and how you do it. So, Peter, perhaps to begin, I'd love to go back just a few years, go back to those early years when you first entered education and you made the decision to become a teacher. Could you share with us something about that initial 
call, that initial sense of why you chose to be a teacher? Sure. Robin, you're being very kind to say <laughs> a few years, so I'll go back quite a few years. Uh, but thanks for the kindness. Um, like many things in life, um, I became a teacher due to the influence of uh, a wonderful role model. My uh, early years of uh, schooling when I was a young child were probably not overly enjoyable. My primary school years, particularly, um, they were a time of, um, of an overbearing, I think, approach to education. There was a, an abundance of corporal punishment. Uh, there was, in my sense, um, as I am uh, now an adult, if I look back and put adult terms on it, mm. probably a lack of uh, compassion, mm. um, a strictness that lacked fairness, there's nothing wrong with strictness, or, mm. but uh, I thought it lacked some fairness and um, particularly miserable if you were left-handed, as right. I am, right. because left-handers certainly had a very uh, tough road mm. uh, going back all of those years. Uh, but that changed in my first year of um, secondary school um, because into my life, into the classroom, came a wonderful lay teacher whose name was Mr Johnson. Uh. And Mr. Johnson was an English history teacher um, and he presented to all with whom he worked and taught a very different view of what to be a teacher was. Um, he was knowledgeable, uh, he was fair, he had uh, he demonstrated a genuine interest in people, particularly those, I remember, classmates that I went right through secondary school with um, for a whole lot of reasons, battled all sorts of mm. circumstances and he showed a particular interest. Mm. Um, and and he still, in to this day, is a model for me yes. about what a good educator, Catholic or otherwise, but what a good educator is. You, you never forget them, you know. It's, no, it's life-defining and life-changing. That's right. And, mm. and, and one of the reasons why when I talk to younger teachers, um, mm. I talk to them about the importance of... Um, their modelling and how mm. they speak and how they look and how they act, but most importantly, how they treat people. Mm. Um, and then in Year 12, uh, my principal at the time, I was educated by the Morris brothers and uh, a brother who was the principal at the time at the beginning of Year 12 spoke to me about uh, a new Catholic teachers' college that was about to be uh, founded and he suggested that I might give that some serious consideration and I was thinking about teaching at the time, but he really encouraged me uh, and again, that whole notion of being encouraged as a young person and uh, being taken seriously and uh, all of those things. And so um, I uh, pursued that line, um, which was a bit of a risk because this new tertiary institution was not known. But it enabled me to uh, give some thought to uh, the road I wanted to take. And so I enrolled and um, off I went to this new Catholic Teachers College and... Uh, and that was the start of a great journey, a yes, wonderful journey for yes, me. Yes, evidently, evidently. It has been. Peter, from your early years, you moved into many and varied leadership positions in Catholic education. What were some of the principles that were central to you in carrying out these roles? Well, um, in terms of leadership, I uh, began teaching at the age of 20 and I had taught for, four, for seven years in two different secondary schools. And, and I was, uh, 
I was appointed to the position of assistant principal at the age of 27. Mm. Now, upon reflection, um, I think I was probably too young for that, and I was clearly um, inexperienced, Mm. Uh, although at the time I certainly didn't think Mm. so. When you're 27, (laughs) you have a very different view of the world. Um, But that was true. And um, so some of the key principles by which... I think um, I've tried to live professionally, and I guess personally, mm. um, has come from learning from the mistakes that I've made. And uh, as I've said often to people, there is nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with making a mistake. Mm. Um, it's only wrong if you don't learn from it mm. and change your behaviour. So out of that, um, the key principles that I have taken forward into the various roles that I've had would be things like... Um, Respect for the other, mm-hmm. regardless of who they are or their circumstances, where they come from, what they look like. That whole notion of uh, respect for human dignity is very important to me. Um, the principle of consistency, um, that how you approach things, how you do things has a consistency to it that um, people can expect from you um, on Wednesday, what they might have expected mm. on Monday, mm. and uh, you know we all get our moods and we all oh, behave. Yes. But in terms of your behaviour and your decision making, mm. that it needs to be consistent, not inflexible, but it needs to be consistent based on some beliefs. Yes. Um, certainly, born out of my earlier years and and some of the mistakes I probably made as a younger teacher and leader, uh, the notion of fairness and justice. Uh, are two things that are very important to me. They're principles that I value um, deeply, mm. and have had uh, and have done so for a, for a very long time. Yes. Um, I guess the principle of action, not just words. Mm. Words are fine, mm. and words are important, and they can motivate people, and they can uh, they they express what you think and mm. feel and believe. Inspire. Yeah, yes, they, they yes. can, and they're important. I I, I love words. But they're empty if the actions mm. don't follow yes. and if they're not consistent, yes. going back to what I said earlier. Mm. I guess uh, another would be the notion of compassion because mm. uh, I think that's one of the key gospel messages yeah. um, and it's certainly the, the model that Jesus uh, gave us mm. during his time with us. Mm. But again, going back to those early years when I saw now looking back in my time as a child, people... Um, in schools particularly, not treated with compassion. Mm. Um, And we have a number of issues where that's still a key thing in our world today. So compassion. And I guess the other would be, another would be around the whole question of dignity. Yes. Um, Everybody's entitled, Mm. regardless of their circumstances, Mm. to be treated with dignity. Yes. No matter what they do or or who they are. So they'd be, I think, the key ones, Mm. the key principles for me that I... um, I keep trying to yeah. uh, live by, uh, certainly professionally and hopefully mm. personally. Yes. Um, there are others, but they're the they're the key ones. And like everyone, um, I both succeed and fail yes. on oh, that journey. That for us all, Peter. Absolutely. Uh, thank you, thank you, Peter. And Peter, embedded in that, I can I can hear that your faith is so central to you and has played a big part in your life and your sense of purpose and the principles that you live by. I wonder if you could tell us a little bit more about how your faith has both guided and, and supported you in, in your journey. Sure. Um, well, I guess connected to my earlier comments, 
faith in action has always been um, the defining influence uh, for me and on me has in my early years and it remains so uh, today. I'll go back a little bit to my own parents. Um, my parents were really fine people and they were deeply uh, faith-filled people. As a young child, I can remember uh, my mum and dad um, saying their nightly prayers. Mm. I have a, an image of them uh, doing that and sometimes on their knees mm. and, um, and particularly the rosary. The rosary was important in, in uh, my household as a child. And so I guess from that and that image, um, that childlike image that I had then, mm-hmm. um, of prayer yes. and the significance of prayer was born in me uh, at a very early age. It's probably not um, the, the way mum and dad approached it, it's not the way as an adult I did, but the notion of the significance of prayer. Yeah. If it was important to mum and dad, yes. uh, it must be important. Yes, yes. Um, I guess also my uh, my dad was a tradesman, mm. and he was and he was proud of that, um, and we were just a very normal, um, sometimes battling mm. family, mm. Um, and he he worked um, his full time job and then two other jobs, so he was working three jobs, so that he could afford to pay the school fees oh to send my two sisters and I. To Catholic schools, just remarkable. Yeah, and there are lots of stories um, yes, like that similar. going going back, um, because to my dad and my mum, uh, an education in faith was really critical, and uh, they fervently believed with great faith in Catholic schools that they had, um, that that was important to them, and that sacrifice. Not that I think as a child I fully understood the sacrifice mm. but that sacrifice that he made and to a sense mum made mm. um, has stayed with me mm. to this very day yes, yes. and uh, it's embedded it's part yes. of, part who, of you uh, are. who I am mm. yeah it is it's mm. part of who I am mm. uh, they were the early seeds for me um, and so the whole question of faith for me um, remains, remains a journey um, my faith is very important to me um, it, uh, it challenges me often. Uh, it sometimes uh, disappoints me mm-hmm. and makes me angry. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is as, it, it's as much a part of me as my nature, my yes. personality, my strengths and my mm-hmm. shortcomings, yes. my failings, my weaknesses. It's, um, it's part of who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, over the years, particularly in leadership positions, Robin, um, it's not been uncommon for me at times of really difficult decisions that I've had to make, particularly decisions that I know will impact on, um, on the lives of people, um, the really challenging ones that are quite critical. It's not uncommon for me to... Uh, sit on my own mm. Mm. quietly and um, offer up a particular prayer and it goes yeah. this way Lord I really need your help mm. with this and then to sit with hopefully um, where that takes me so there's no um, complexity in no. that really it's a conversation mm. 
and then I've got to be open to listening. Yeah. Um, if I'm serious about um, decision-making being based on the principles that I spoke to you about yeah. earlier, um, I need to rely on many occasions on my faith to... Uh, I mean, it's my decision, but I need that help. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, such a uh, such a real and beautiful prayer, Peter. I, I I will take that one on, and I will take that one with me. Great. Mm. I, I guess if I could just make another quick mm, comment please. in relation to that, the other element to my faith um, that's important for me has become important on my journey uh, involves trust. Mm. Um, I've spoken on many occasions, and you and others would have heard that during my time um, as director in Wollongong. Um, as to the importance to me uh, of the saying that's accompanied me and has sat on the wall in a plaque, on a plaque, um, over the years in, in many places. And that, that saying that people would, would know, I think, is that the will of God will never lead you where the grace of God cannot keep yes. you. That's a trust statement. I, I believe that. Yes. I sometimes get a bit uncertain yes. uh, or I'm disappointed, but... Not always, not yeah. often, um, because mostly I think that's right. But that involves some trust. Absolutely. But you've got to work on that. Yes. You've got yes. to work on that. And, uh, Peter, could you say those words again? They're, they're just uh, they're such beautiful words. That, do you mind repeating that? Sure. Because it's yeah. so, so um, powerful. It's, uh, the saying goes, the will of God will never lead you where the grace of God can't keep you mm. and there's various versions of mm, that yes, but um, yes. I've carried that with me it was given to me by someone very influential in my life mm. many many years ago mm. and I've taken that with me mm. wherever I've gone yes, yes. and I, it's words on a plaque a wooden plaque that I've reproduced in various forms but I've always placed it if I've in my workplace perhaps an office I've always placed it alongside the door so when I'm walking out to go and do something, it's the last thing I see. Mm. Mm. What a what a valuable reminder. It is, yeah. Quite valuable. Peter, beyond your career, I mean, we all have defining moments. Sure. We all have defining moments that stretch us to become more of who we really are. And I, inevitably, I'm sure in your role, you've had many... Moments that have stretched you in different ways. I wonder if you can recall a defining moment in your life where you experienced this. You're quite right, Robin. Um, stretched is a good um, image. If I guess if I count up the number of times I've been stretched, I'd be about 20 foot feet tall. Um, yeah, there are a couple. Uh, two, or well, there are more than a couple, there are many, but two come to mind. One's personal, I guess, and the other's professional. Um, one involves my mum. My mother passed away uh, in her 70s, in her mid-70s, from motor neurone disease, mm. uh, which is an awful illness, as I'm sure you and many people would know. Um, I had what I now see as the great privilege of accompanying my mum mm. uh, on that journey. Um, the disease, once it was uh, diagnosed, was... Took her quite quickly in a period of about twelve months or so, um, but accompanying her on that journey taught me uh, many things um, that she showed and demonstrated mm. that I've tried to honour um, 
And she taught me, well, that journey taught me many things about courage, mm. certainly about courage. The importance of faith, because it stayed with her yeah. um, without fail, uh, her trust in God, um, and certainly that life gives us uh, no guarantees. Mm. And certainly our, our present circumstances of COVID-19 um, has, has been a valuable lesson in that. We, there are no guarantees. No. Um, so that was part of the reality. It also taught me um, a great deal about the notion of sadness yeah. and how that can impact on people. And I've tried to honour that, particularly in the workplace and in my work as an educator and mm. as a leader, um, about anger yes. and what anger can do to people and um, about people. Mm. And it's taught me a lot about um, appreciating life. Mm. Um, so that would be um, that would be one. Um, the second uh, involves uh, my time as uh, as principal. I was mm. um, secondary uh, school principal for thirteen years yes. in, in two schools, um, and there was an occasion where I um, I stood at the graveside at the funeral of a student who had taken her own life. Uh, and I will always remember standing there after the uh, religious um, part of the ceremony, um, this young lady uh, with whom I'd had a very positive relationship and many of us had worked really hard in trying to support her and help her through her very challenging and difficult journey um, and I remember asking myself as I looked upon the graveside, um, is there any more that I could have done? Mm. Mm. That is a vivid image for me. Um, um, and it's not a bad question mm. to keep asking ourselves um, mm either professionally or personally, mm. is um, is there any more that I could have done? Mm. Uh, thank you, Peter. I know that uh, there would be so many listeners who would identify and resonate with both of your stories. Mm. Yeah, thanks, Robert. Peter, beyond your career in education, I know that you have a, a real heart for social justice. I wonder if you could share a significant experience from some of your outreach work, you know, what you've been involved in and, and what, what it's taught you about, about life. Well, um, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a, a good question. Um, in terms of outreach, I... I my great hope now that I am uh, retired mm. uh, from my uh, main part of my professional life that I'll have more time to be involved in that. But I've tried to connect uh, my belief in the importance of outreach with my work yeah, as an so edu I, educational leader. So it's, it's been integrated. Yeah, it is integrated. But, and, and, it, and yeah, beyond. Yes, right, and it's, yes. and it's uh, personal, I mm. guess. Social justice for me um, is quite simply um, a call of the Gospels. Mm and a call to action. I talked to you earlier about mm. the notion of faith. It's, it's um, Words are fine and important, but action is, mm. is, is critical. 
Um, and so for both those reasons, it's exceptionally important to me. Matthew's uh, passage, I was naked and you clothed me and I was sick and you cared for me and I was in prison and you came to visit me has always had a special significance for me, particularly mm. the last of those. Mm. Um, I've had for some time a significant interest in the area of juvenile justice yes. uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, and post the COVID period, I'm uh, hoping to make um, a far more practical contribution in that area. Mm. Um, there are uh, many, many young people in... Um, custody, um, many who appropriately need to be there and mm. need to go through those processes and need to account for the things they've done. There are many, however, who are uh, in there um, and it's not really been... Uh, it's not been through circumstances that they could control. Yes, and I won't yes. go into that, yeah, but... No, I understand. Um, you know, do they so all deserve to be there? Yes, yeah. Um, yes. Uh, no, I don't no. think they do, yeah. but understandably they're there. Yes. And it's not the notion of, you know, oh, we need to be soft on crime. I'm, I'm certainly not of that notion. But if we're serious about the whole social justice and Matthew's passage mm. and all of that, yes. um, we There's need to think about... Yeah, there are, yes. there are big implications for that. So um, that area of juvenile justice is something that I hope to mm. do a bit more work in. Um, I guess one of my great learnings as the director in the Wollongong Diocese and then my connection and hopefully the work that we've done in the area of Aboriginal and Torres Strait yes. Islanders uh, students, but, but also their communities and their families, mm. uh, I have learnt so much, mm. so much in these last 13 years by and been taught so much, uh, meeting with those communities, having time with... Um, um, Aboriginal students in various parts of our diocese, listening to their stories, um, being challenged by the mm. history of all of that. And um, I've taken from that a real commitment um, myself mm. to um, making some sort of contribution in an ongoing way to mm. the social just justice uh, questions in that, that are both educational but they're social and and a whole range of things. Mm -hmm. It's not easy. It's such a challenging question. Mm -hmm. um, and there's very... Yeah, the rights and wrongs in that mm -hmm. um, are unclear. Yes. But that's an area. And um, I guess just to, just to reflect on an experience in relation to... For the last uh, few years, along with um, my wife and one or two of my sons and their friends, I've attended the Stations of the Cross... Mm -hmm. um, King's Cross in the city oh, yes. on Good Friday. Um, and the Stations of the Cross are organised by the uh, Catholic Parish of yes. St Canice's in conjunction with the Anglican Parish yes. of St John's and the people from the Wayside Chapel. Yes. And it involves uh, uh, people coming together and walking to each station of the cross that's marked around King's Cross itself. Oh. Um following um, people who take turns at carrying a large cross and the crowd builds, starts small and yes, it builds yes. and um, stops at each station and then um, there's a prayer said around um, that particular station mm. of the cross 
and then um, you continue on walking around the streets of King's right. Cross. Um, yes. Not sure how that would happen in the COVID time, but yes. anyway. Yes. And you finish up walking um, with hundreds of people from um, every possible walk of life. The very wealthy, uh, the homeless, mm. uh, the anxious, the drug addicted, uh, political figures, members of the clergy, uh, a whole range of interesting people. And you start up um, conversations and um, as you journey, that whole yes. notion of journey, uh, notion of journey that, um, you know, that, that, that journey of the Stations of the Cross is. And that's um, a really, I, I guess in a sense it may even be a ritual that's really a, a good thing for me because it's that one period of time where uh, we're reminded yes, of yes. that journey yes. and, uh, and that call of the Gospels. Uh, it's a great statement of uh, what matters most um, and it's a great statement of um, the Gospel in action. Oh, um, absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's just... Yeah. it's, it's um, just an experience that oh, I would encourage it, others to when that when the time is right yeah, it, to perhaps experience. Yes, I'd be most eager to, Peter. It sounds just extraordinary and that sense of being united. Absolutely. You know, real yeah. sense of being yeah. united. And an yeah. opportunity to learn. From one another. I've had so many interesting conversations oh, with people, with, um, uh, particularly from the Wayside Chapel and yes. their, their life stories and... Mm. Uh, how they got to be in the circumstances they're in, and uh, yeah, it's, it's good for mind. you. It's yes, good for absolutely. you as well. Oh, it's good for you. Most to, certainly, it positions you, you know, where you'd hope you'd like to be yeah. positioned. Yes, yes. Peter, throughout all the the most generous stories that you've shared, it's clearly evident um, many of the principles that you live by. But I wonder, as, as we bring our time of conversation to a close, could, could I could I ask you the question? The question that we actually began with. If you were asked the question, for what do you wish to be known, how would you respond? And perhaps if you have time even, why is it an important question to ask? It is an important question. Um, and it's not always an easy no. question to answer. And um, what I've learnt is that you perhaps your answers are a little different at various stages mm. in your life. If you asked me that question at 20, I'd have a particular answer. And if you asked me in another 10 years' time after that, perhaps another answer. But I can only answer it for now, yes. I guess, because yes. you are the sum of your experiences. Yes. I have a favourite Oscar Wilde quote mm -hmm. that others um, would have heard me um, quote in, mm -hmm. in some talks I've given and it says Oscar Wilde says be yourself because everyone else is taken and I've reflected oh, on that it's okay. that whole notion of uniqueness mm. we are the only one of who we are yes, yes there is no other so it leads to that question so um, everyone else is taken be yourself what does that really mean mm. And that's the journey question, I think, that, yes. we're, that we're all on and, and it changes. Mm. So how I'd answer the question now, and I thought about this when <laughs> I knew what you were going to yes. ask me, um, and I have probably a fairly simple answer, mm. um, but it's, it's the right one for me now at this stage in my life. Um, 
uh, I, I would hope to be known for having been an influence for good in whatever way um, that has meant for people because my life has been one of um, interaction with people um, professionally for over 40 years and, and even personally and you would hope that you'd be forgiven for the things that you didn't do well mm. but you would hope that the majority of your time that's been given to you would have been spent for um, yeah, being an influence for good, mm. for things positive. We have enough yeah. uh, nonsense in the world. Mm. There's enough to bring us down. Yes. Um, and you can choose to go there, should you wish. Mm. But I choose not. Yes. And I would hope that just by your everyday interactions, mm. um, the way you interact personally with mm. people, professionally, however that might be, that the end result of those encounters and those discussions and whatever they may be mm. would be that um, that you've been an influence uh, positively and, yes. and, and for good. Mm. Um, mm. That's probably the best yes. answer I've got uh, for that question I, right now. I think now. It's, it's, it's a beautiful response. And, uh, Peter, I... I, I can't thank you enough, Peter, for, for what you've shared today. And for someone who knows you and who has worked with you in, in two dioceses, uh, you have most certainly been an influencer for good. I've seen that on countless number of occasions. But thank you, Peter, for your, your generosity, for your authenticity and for your kindness. And I wish you all the very, very best in this next phase of your of your journey and your life and have no doubt that you will continue to do wonderful and exciting things with a compassionate heart. So thank you again, Peter, and, um, and I wish you all the very, very best. Thanks, Robin. I've uh, really appreciated the conversation and uh, I wish you all the best in the really thank critical you. work that you and your team does. And... It's work that I admire enormously, as you know. I do. And uh, I wish you well. And all of those who may be listening, uh, I wish you all the very best in these, these challenging times, which, which won't last. That's right. So we'll look to we'll coming out of this time. That's right. So. But thanks, Robin, very much. Oh, I really appreciate thank it. Thank you again, Peter. Take care. Thank you for joining our program today. If you'd like to take some time now or later in the week to enjoy some treasured stillness, a meditation entitled Meditating on Purpose is available on both Podbean and on Apple Podcast and is entitled Meditation 15. Have a lovely week and I look forward to being with you next time.